Good morning, God's wonderful people. At the beginning of a new dawn, beginning of a new day, it is time to give God thanks for his goodness, for his favor. Having given you the privilege of opening your eyes this morning, the privilege of seeing this new dawn, let us give thanks to him. Let us bless him today. Let us make him smile and be joyful today by living and being what he has created you to be. Today, there is someone who needs to hear a word of encouragement from you. There's someone who needs to hear, I, I love you from you. There's someone who needs to receive something from your hand. Do it today. Let that person hear you say, I love you. Let that person feel the warmth of your gift in their hands. Let that person feel the love you convey by just giving that word of encouragement. Be all that you can be for God today and bring glory to his name. Several years ago, a man reported his observations of the effects of a hurricane on a southeastern Gulf Coast town. As he walked up and down the ravaged streets, he observed that the palm trees had been uprooted and flung about. Once tall and majestic, their root systems were too shallow to withstand the hurricane force winds. But as he proceeded, he came upon a lone oak tree. The leaves had been blown away and some of the smaller branches ripped off. But the roots had gone deep and the tree held its position. And in due season, it would again produce leaves. So it is with us. If we, if we are to be long-suffering, if we are to endure in times of great stress and difficulty, we must beforehand have put down a depth of character that will sustain the blows of every trial. Today we continue our study on Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 to 26. And in this study, we have so far gone through several aspects of the truth that we have garnered from this text. We have looked at the works of the flesh, and we are now looking at the fruit of the Spirit. And in this look of the fruit of the Spirit, we have looked at love, joy, and peace. Today we begin our look at long-suffering. This word basically means to suffer long. And we'll be looking at this word in light of being a fruit of the Spirit. And as we assess this word, we want to just basically get an understanding of what it means. To bring forth this understanding, I will not draw from the Hebrew roots of this word. I will draw from its demonstration in Scripture. Because I believe there are times that a story and an example brings out a truth more vividly than a theory. It will bring out the truth more vividly than anything I can tell you. And so this particular fruit of the Spirit, I believe, needs a little demonstration. And so my intent is to, through this, bring you to understand what this word means. The Greek word here translated long-suffering, the word means a state of emotional calm in the face of provocation or misfortune and without complaint or irritation. An emotional state of calmness. While you're facing adversity, while you're facing either a provocation or a misfortune, 
and you're not complaining and you're not irritated. That's what long suffering is. It's not folding your hands, sitting down and waiting through that suffering. It's not going through the suffering and mourning in agony and feeling self-pity. It is an emotional calm without complaint or irritation. When I think of long-suffering, my mind always go back to a few persons from Scripture. The first of which is found in St. John chapter 9 and in verse 2 and to 3. But the story is in chapter 9 of St. John. And in this chapter, Christ had a, an encounter. And in this encounter, we find that the disciples were the ones who initiated this encounter. It starts out by saying that Jesus passed by and he saw a man which was born blind from his birth. Now this I believe, there, there may have been a, a calling to attention by Jesus to this man. I don't know, but I'm assuming that there must have been something that called the disciples' attention to him. Because what the disciples did is stated in verse 2, it says, And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin? This man or his parents, that he was born blind. Now that's a very troubling question and, and a, and a thought-provoking question. It must have been something that these disciples have been considering, and it must have been something that they wanted an answer to. They have been contemplating this. But the answer that Jesus gave them is what really caused me to stop and think. For a while it baffled me. It caused me to stop and pay attention. Because the answer he gave is not typical. The answer he gave, I don't believe, is what the disciples were waiting for. They wanted an answer. And the answer they wanted is one of two. It's either he's going to tell us that this man sinned, or he's going to tell us that his parents sin. Because it must be one or the other. Because the philosophy they're working with is that all sin, all illness and all ailment is as a result of sin. That's the premise on which this question proceeds. So it's either this man sin or his parents sin. That is why they only gave Christ those two options to answer from. But Christ totally threw away everything they offered as an option. He said, neither hath this man's sin nor his parents. He threw both of them out. Threw both options out. But then here's what he says. But that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Now that is what caught me. But that the works of God should be made manifest in him. The only reason this man was born blind is so that on this day Christ would heal him. He suffered the ridicule, the mockery, the, 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 the rejection of being born blind in a society where people who had these shortcomings were seen as the product of sin. Which meant that the society would have alienated him. Because it's because of some sin why you're born this way. So your parents might have sinned or you might have sinned. So you're alienated and ostracized. That is why Bartimaeus was begging on the roadside outside of the city of Jericho. Because that speaks to the fact that he was a dejected person from society. He was dejected from the society. Cast aside. Neglected. 
This man would have faced all these ridicules for years. And I'm not talking about five years, 10 years, or 20 years. This, the Bible says, was a man. The fact that it was referred to as a man, it meant he must have been in his 30s or even 40s. A big man. He must have been a, a real good year, aged person. He was born blind. And I, I assume he was in his 30s or 40s. And he endured all these tragedies so that on this day, Jesus would heal him. What's more, my friend, is that when Jesus made that mud off his spit. Hey, some people find that gross, disgusting. But he made mud with his spit, paid it on the man's eyes. And then told this man to go wash in the pool of Siloam. The journey from where this man was to the pool of Siloam would have taken him down some stairs that is literally on the side of a wall. Some flight of stairs going all the way down to the pool of Siloam. So this man, having endured all these years of ridicule, scorn and rejection and suffering... He had to now walk down those flights of stairs to get to the pool of Siloam and wash his eyes. No, I don't think this man was just doing it out of mere, um, you know, because somebody told me to do I'm going to do it. I believe he knew something about this man who touched him. I believe something in him identified with the spirit in Jesus Christ. I believe there must be something that drove him to obey Jesus. There's something about this voice. There's something about this man. I, I, I know there's something about him. And it, it's not like anybody else I've seen. So let me just do what he says. Because the thing is, this man didn't know Jesus when they asked him who healed him. And when these Pharisees and leaders are making a him over it because it happened on the Sabbath day, they asked him who it was. And he says, I don't know. He had no philosophy, he had no theology. That when they even were declaring that no man of God could be doing this on the Sabbath day, he says, well, I don't know whether he is of this or is of that. One thing I know, I was blind, but now I see. So while they were saying that this, this man who healed him is not of God, this man was born blind. He says, I don't know by what means he did this miracle. He says, but... By what means he now seeth, the parent says, we don't know. But he was the one who declared to these Pharisees, look here, man. I don't know whether he did this by God or whether he did it not by God. One thing I know, I was blind, but now I can see. Now, my friends, this is something that we must pay attention to. That this man endured all this tragedy, all this hardship. So that God could heal him on this particular day. What will you endure to glorify God? What will you go through so that at the end God will get glory? His attitude was not that of anger and bitterness against society for rejecting him. He had lived his life and I think he had lived well. Because his parents were around him still. The second person I think of when I think of long-suffering, I think of Joseph. See, while this man would have gone through these circumstances and not knowing his end, he didn't know what was going to happen. He had no knowledge of what it, where it was going to end up. But he endured those hardships. 
Joseph, on the other hand, he knew his end. He knew what the end is, was, was going to be. Through dreams and visions, God spoke to him and showed him what the end of his life or what his destiny was looking like. He had these dreams and these dreams caused his brother to hate him. Because they believed him. They believed him. And also they despised him because this was the Joseph's prized son. Jo Jacob, Jacob's prized son rather. Joseph was Jacob's prized son. So they saw how Jacob treated him. They saw that he was Jacob's eyeball and they despised him for that. They sold him into slavery. The merchants took him to Egypt and they sold him to Potiphar. In Potiphar's house, Joseph became the, the head servant. Lord over everything Potiphar owned. His entire house. In the words of Potiphar, the only things he had no jurisdiction over was Potiphar's wife. So everybody had to answer to Joseph. When he went into prison, Joseph became the head prisoner. Every prisoner answered to Joseph. He became Lord in the prison. When he went to Pharaoh's house, I went to Pharaoh in the palace. Joseph became the head of Egypt. The only person who was above him was Pharaoh. Everybody else had to answer to him. This, my friends, demonstrated that Joseph had a anointing and a special hand of God upon his life. But what I want you to see is that Joseph endured all these hardships of his early life. The scorn and ridicule of his brothers. The suffering as a, as a, as a slave in the hands of the merchants. Serving as a servant in Potiphar's house. In prison as a prisoner. I don't know if at times the picture came to his mind. My dream is of being someone my brothers would have bowed to. I know that my, I had these dreams and this is not looking anything like what I dream. When your life takes turns and twists and it doesn't look like what you know it should be. Can you suffer through it for long? It doesn't mean that you're going to sit in it and mope and groan and, and, and cuss the world and be irritated at every turn of your life. Joseph had an attitude where he received and went through everything without complaint or irritation. He did not allow anger in. He endured. He suffered long. Because he knew in the end he was going to be crowned. He knew in the end he was going to be on top. He knew in the end there was some place grand he was going to be. And all the, sun, the stars and the sun and the moon was going to bow to him. He knew that's a picture he had. That's a dream that drove him. That's a dream that fueled him. So you may know your dream. You may know your end. You may know your destiny. You know the end outcome of a circumstance. That should give you reason to endure with a great attitude of joy. My mind also is drawn to the book of Micah chapter 7 and verse 8 and 9. In that book, the prophet declares, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord, because I have sinned against him, until he plead my cause and execute judgment for me. He will bring me forth to the light, and I shall behold his righteousness. 
A declaration here, my friends, that we can embrace. Because there are times that our hardships and our sufferings are at the hand of God as a result of our sin. There are times in our lives when the circumstances we are endured is as a result of something we did that was not right. Or some misstep that we made that led us on a path that was not the path for us. Sometimes our life take these turns. But in those times, my friends, we should be able to declare just like Micah, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. I know I'm coming out. I know when I sit in darkness, God is going to shine the light for me. He is my light. I will bear his anger. I will bear his indignation because I've sinned against him. So I'll bear it. I'll go through it. I'll endure it. I know what the end is going to be. I'm going to be pure gold at the end. I'm going to be precious at the end. I'm going to be far better than I am now at the end of this. When you know your end, the process doesn't really matter. When you know your end, the process takes on a whole different look. You see, because you know where this path ends, it doesn't matter what is on the path. You go through it because you know where you're going. You know where the end is. When you're heading home, sometimes some path you take is not nice. It's rugged, potholes, thorns, thistles, whatever. But you endure going through because you know home is at the end. That is what long-suffering is all about. You may know your end and you endure. You may not know your end, but you endure because God said so. Because there are times, there are some parts of God's word, you don't, don't know, you may not know where it leads, but God says do this and you do it not knowing what the end is. You only know one thing. One thing I know, I was blind but now I see. This man didn't know his end. He didn't know that one day he was going to see. But when he got the instruction, he went and he did it. I know that some people might have said, oh, couldn't he just speak to me like he did everybody else? Couldn't he just speak the word and I, I, I receive my sight? Why, am, why do I have to go walk down all these stairs to get to the pool of Siloam all the way down there? On the edge of a wall with no rails for me to hold on to. I may fall off, I'm blind. Whether he had assistance, I don't know. But that pathway down to the pool of Shiloh was a treacherous pathway. And he walked it. Went down there, washed and came back seeing and giving glory to God. Whatever your path, wherever your path leads, he may lead you down a pathway of troubles and, 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 and ridicule and mockery and scorn and slander and, and people calling you names and people spreading rumors about you. He may lead you down that path. But will you endure that so that one day God will get glory from your life? One thing I know, you know your end. As a believer, you know what the end is for you. The end for the believer is to walk on the streets of gold, to be walking on the streets of gold, shining as a bright radiance, glory of God's presence. Because you'll be filled with his presence and you'll be in his presence. So you'll be shining radiantly. The end is you spending eternity with Jesus Christ. What price are you willing to pay for such a glorious reward? Micah says, I will bear the Lord's indignation even if you, are, you, you had caused God's anger by your sin. Will you endure the punishment because you know in the end you'll be pure gold? 
That's what long suffering is. How long will you endure these hardships so that God will get glory? The moment of glory is coming. Will you endure this hardship to give him glory? Or will you cuss and moan and bite, backbite and be bitter against people because of what they do against you? Forget about that. That is not your purpose. Your purpose is to give him glory. Give him glory. And the day is coming when God will either be glorified by you or he will not get any glory from you because you chicken out and stepped away. Don't chicken out, my friend. Endure the hardship. Endure the cussing. Endure the mockery. Endure the ridicule. Endure the hardship like a good soldier because one day you will be a general. Trust thee not in a friend. Put thee not confidence in a guide. Keep the doors of thy mouth from her that lieth in thy bosom. For the son dishonoreth the father. The daughter riseth up against her mother. The daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the men of his own house. Therefore, I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. These are the words of the very same man who uttered the words, I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him. Until he plead my cause and execute judgment for me, he will bring me forth to the light and I shall behold his righteousness. This, my friends, is exemplary of the attitude we need to take as we go through the trying times of our lives. The end may not be known. It may be known. The cause and reason may be known. Whatever the situation, whatever the circumstances, endure because they are given for your education. Education. These situations and circumstances you're going through are for your edification, for your education, and for your enduring. God wants to endure you with power and strength. This is how you're endued. This is how you're educated. This is how you're enlightened and brought into the realm of the knowledge of God. Endure. Because God wants to endure you. Father, we give you thanks. We give you praise. Lord, we surrender all our faculties and mind and heart and body to you right now. We ask you, Father, to take full control. Use us for your glory, Father. And manifest yourself through our lives so that you will constantly be glorified in us and through us. And all that you have brought away, Father, may we endure as a good soldier so that one day will shine your light as brightly as you intend. We give you thanks, we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day now, my friends. And do remember that God loves you, and I do too. Shalom. <laughs>